Welcome back to Entertainment Geekly. I am Darren Franich. Across the table from me, he's got a really big beard, and so you know that means he's been through a lot, and it's probably time for the fourth game in the series. It's EW's <laughs> Jeff Jensen. Thank you. Yes, I, it's good to be here. And and, and your your beard is even bigger than mine. Well, well, my beard is also. So you're real. probably in what, like game seven, eight? Like, I well, no, no, yeah, I'm. Uh, I am in. This is this is true, Jeff. I don't know if I've told you about this. The, the reason for this beard mainly it was because I started watching Vikings around <laughs> right around the same time that Walking Dead got like really really good again in the back half of its fourth season and that was when Rick Grimes and Andrew Lincoln grew the most incredible beard in TV history <laughs> those were I am I am very susceptible to like fashion cues from television which is why mm. I, I have horrible fashion but like that that for me was where this came from but I was at E3 the Electronic Entertainment Expo all this week it takes mm. place in downtown Los Angeles where the major video game companies show off all the video games that will be coming out in the next year to three years to five years given how video game releases turn out and one thing that uh, struck me this year was on Monday you had the big PlayStation showing of all of their most exciting upcoming titles the big Xbox showing of all their most up, uh, uh, most exciting upcoming titles curious timing so the Xbox, one of their main franchises, is Gears of War, uh, which is about like big dudes and cool dudettes who fire chainsaw guns at aliens. Love that series. Um, PlayStation's, one of their biggest titles is God of War, which is about a big badass dude rampaging across ancient Greece. Also love that series. Um, curiously, both are G of War franchises. They both happened to announce like reboot fourth games in that franchise on the same day and in both of the trailers for those fourth games for God of War 4 and Gears of War 4 they reintroduce the protagonists of the original trilogy and both protagonists now have huge beards <laughs> which which works and it's funny because on one hand it's just kind of like whoa like he's he's like older now and he's kind of a hipster now but it is also this this weird way of showing off that like the processing on these games has gotten so good that now they can do facial hair. This is this was always the thing and let me back guess, in the day with 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 digital animation. Was hair was hard and facial hair was hard. And this is why obviously these companies do that because our facial hair technology has just gotten so good that we really <laughs> need to revisit these franchises and just like <laughs> dazzle the consumer anew. I mean, I mean, beards. you know, you know, Jeff, uh, like a like a great artist returning to just put the finishing touches on a masterpiece. These franchises were not complete until their protagonists had beards. Um, what, what, why do you think that like those companies are like doubling down and rebooting those things like well, those franchises? What does it say about video games right now that they are doing that right I now? I think it, it says a couple different things and you know just trying to make any sweeping statements about video games as an industry and about specific companies is very difficult um, but you know this is a strange moment where I think it was really common six or seven years ago to just sort of say out of hand, like, the video game industry is doing astronomically well. I mean, this was a time when, like, just you had games like the new Call of Duty would come out each year and would regularly set records for, like, entertainment sales. Not just for video game yeah. sales, but for, like, amount of money made in a single day by any entertainment endeavor. The video game industry loved to trumpet that fact, especially as, as they were on uh, this this rise and trying to compete with a lot of other pop culture. They exactly. loved to cite those figures like 
we made more money in a weekend. We made more money in our life than say like the year's biggest movie. That right, kind right, of right. Then the year's biggest movie would make in its entire sort of shelf life. I mean, like this was something that you heard all the time. You know, things have changed right now in a way that I, I don't even think necessarily I have a good handle on. Um, you know, we used to talk about these things in terms of like a kind of vaguely broadcast networky quote unquote big three with Nintendo and Microsoft and Sony. That was never really accurate. Nintendo has always been playing very much its own game and it is in its own kind of strange position now. But Microsoft and Sony are in a really interesting place. The PlayStation 4 has sold very, very well. Uh, Microsoft's Xbox One seems to have sold less well. Notably... Really? Well, notably, Jeff, (laughs) you were talking about this era when they were really trumpeting sales. Video game sales are very tricky to try and track in a way. Like whenever you kind of drill down into it, the statistics get a little hazy. Huh. But but it is notable that like they have sort of trumpeted their sales much less as as an industry in this current phase than they were doing seven or eight years ago. But there is a perception that that, that the Xbox One hasn't sold that well. Uh, in the same. Uh, presentation where Microsoft was showing off Gears of War 4, which, you know, I to me, next to Halo, that's kind of their big franchise. Gears of War started on the Xbox 360. Uh, the second game, in particular, I think really defined console multiplayer shooting in a way that, like, I really enjoyed. I'm not that much of a multiplayer online shooter in general, but Gears of War was sort of, for me, the most fun and the most interesting to kind of play. Um, so, in their case, it seemed, it, you could read it a little bit as a, like, well, we need to kind of double down on the franchises that have worked for us. Um, you know, last year, they released the newest Halo game. Halo, of course, is even more sanctified for Xbox and for Microsoft as far as being, like, their first killer app for why people should buy the, the very first Xbox back in the day. So, this, this feels a little bit like that. Like, it's really kind of like we need to shore up our base, so to speak. Um, whereas, you know, you could argue that Sony is operating from a position of great power right now, and yet it is very telling that they are also kind of saying, like, here, 11 years after the first God of War, we're doing this new thing. And I will say, like, if you drill down a little bit, you could argue that the new God of War is maybe a better-looking version of that, by which all I mean by that is um, they've changed locations. So whereas the original God of War trilogy was all set in Greek mythology, as far as I can tell, the new game, which still stars the the same person, uh, Kratos... um, he, he seems to have like landed in the middle of Norse mythology. Oh, interesting. <laughs> which is sort of, which could be kind of fun. I mean, you know, I, I was sort of a Norse mythology nerd back in the day. I don't know why I just admitted that without you even forcing it out of me. But like, I mean, the, the visuals in the, what they showed of the game looked different only because they were visuals derived from a different iconography, so if that makes any sense. My guess is that this really appeals to your Viking beard. Exactly right, yes. Yeah. Well, well, Jeff, you know I'm also the world's biggest fan of the TV series Vikings, so anything that pushes us more in that direction is something I'm happy about. But well, Obviously um, the Marvel Thor thing, too. Maybe are they kind of angling there toward Asgard? Maybe, and... yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Did you ever play the God of War games, Jeff? You know, you are referring uh, to my 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 brief stint at, at glorious, quote unquote, uh, stint as 
video game critic here at Entertainment Weekly. and uh, Those were the glory days. Were they? As far as I'm concerned, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as much as that we actually did video game reviews? I was, I, I mean, listen, like, I can remember as someone who was playing lots of video games at that time, I want to say at that point in our uh, publication's history, there would be an occasional video game section in, right. in the print edition, and I would always thrill to that. And I'm guessing 99% of the time it was you writing those reviews <laughs> as I look back on it. I mean, so. there, were, there were definitely people before me, and I kind of, I took it up, and I, I, and I gave it a good try. Um, What's your kind of perspective on on video games, though? I mean, like like now and then? Um, Complete fascination. Like, I I, I do love um, all sorts of things about the ideas of interactive entertainment and video games in general. And I, I love kind of being on the ground floor a little bit. Not that I really was on the ground floor, but like, look, this is this is a medium and a medium of storytelling that's still evolving by leaps and bounds and on certain years and certain periods getting better or deeper and uh, in and, and certain uh, uh, fewer areas than others. But it's exciting to see it kind of grow. And so I was really interested in, 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 in that. I, I'm also just in, in, in generally interested and fascinated in like, you know, interactive media dynamics, the idea that you could play with a story. I, I love that. And I Look, I, I love the genre and uh, stuff of it all. It kind of usually appeals to my, my, my geek. Um, but my biggest, uh, the thing that I actually like least about video games is, um, is, is playing them <laughs> because I'm just not very good. Like, I, I love to sort of just sit in their worlds and just admire, like, what they're trying to do and the artistry and the, the story and, and even try to understand, like, oh, how... How you know the, the the gameplay dynamics, but I actually I just don't feel like I'm very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because well, this is why. So you're not the kind of gamer where you're excited about like oh boy oh boy like you know connect me to the online world so I can play with no. people. No, and I'm I'm the same way because I feel like you. I I almost don't want people to watch me play. Oh right, I get right, very, right, right. I get very bashful about it. Right, and, <laughs> and, I, and I definitely I mean and the the other huge thing and this is a big reason why I had to quit re- watching. Uh, playing video games is that the first person shooter stuff um it made me sick like you know like those little labels like you know like an, an like those little warning labels inside those things where this this might cause like nauseousness or whatever like i'm completely susceptible to this i would get motion sickness playing this stuff i remember uh like playing one game in particular and i'm completely forgetting the name so i'm kind of crazy now um, uh, Portal? Uh, no, 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 no. It was actually a really, really bad video game. <laughs> uh, you played as this sort of like escaped convict, and you're kind of going back and shooting. Uh, Manhunt? What? Manhunt? No, but it's, it's in that family Riddick? of games. It's named after a city. Um, I forget. Oh, 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 B- Bioshock? No. <laughs> No, Half Life. No, this will be the whole show. It's just me yelling out names at you. Um, So you, so you, you were playing this game. I remember already a migraine headache afterwards, and I was done. But at the same time, that there were other games that, like, I just loved how, like, I loved playing the um, Grand Theft Auto games in particular, and just these open world sandbox games, and how they completely just kind of mess with your sense of orientation. Like, you know, you're in these worlds, and then I kind of like. Like, like going outside and walking around and kind of having this really kind of like hyper aware sense of space yes. and everything around. Yes. Like that I, 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 I like to reflect on how that kind of like messes with you in, in, in good and bad ways. But I had to give it up just because 
the most popular, the most dominant uh, um, uh, form of these games were these like first-person shooter games, and they just literally made me sick. I also, and this is something maybe we could talk about at the end of the thing, because I'd love to talk to you about this kind of idea, but just the the violence of it all, and just the 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 idea of, of of playing as a character with a gun going around the world and solving pro- going through the story and solving problems by shooting things like as a parent and as a person in our world honestly that that, that gave me pause okay so i'm i'm actually glad that you bring this up because um, you know the first day of E3 was on Monday, and you know I actually found it quite moving that all of the major companies made a point of honoring the the horrifying events of of the previous day. Wow! And and, and like I think that was genuine. Like I I I don't just think that there was some sort of corporate like well we better like mention this like you know many people on stage were wearing the ribbons and wearing these sort of like you know rainbow flags and there was a lot of there was a feeling that you know this is. This is not an industry that is looking away from all of that stuff, which which I I think is 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 good. At the same time, like Jeff, it, it was very strange. And I'm, I've played a lot of these games. I've played ultraviolet video games. Many of them I think are beautiful works that I would happily recommend to people. It was very strange watching just trailer after trailer after trailer that was just the sound of gunfire echoing over and over again. And you know. This brings up something that I actually find as I get older, I am struggling with. It's weird because on one hand, when I was a kid was really the glory days of video games are making kids violent and are making kids crazy. That was and one of the big cultural concerns and alarmist narratives exactly. about video games. And, and, you know, this led naturally to, I think, people of my generation or certainly people who were playing these games at that point, you know, some of that was ludicrous. Like, you had the moment where Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, that was the game where, like, I think it was on the floor of the Senate, they were denouncing it because of, like, the hot coffee mini game, which was sort of, not even in the final game, it was sort of buried in the code, Was it was a sex game. Right. So, you know, you saw that, and you as a gamer, I think, were pr- prone to be like, well, this is just all ludicrous, all these complaints are ludicrous, like, also, this is a an art form, and this led into that debate quite readily. That being said, I, I do reach a point now, sometimes where what you do affects you. If you play lots lots of video games, that can affect you. It doesn't make you a maniac, but it does, you know, affect how you think about the world. What you were saying about playing lots of Grand Theft Auto and then walking outside. I can vividly remember as a teenager playing lots of Vice City, which is still one of my favorite Uh games. And still, I think, really influenced a lot of ways that I experience interactive entertainment. I can remember after a few hours of playing that and then driving... And, like, in the process of driving, at one point, I was, like, caught in traffic. And I, I just, I had this flash in my head of what I would do in Vice City, which is, of course, drive all over traffic and drive into a car. And, like, you know, there's, there's, there was a weird moment of sort of almost reality distortion yeah. that I, I vividly remember. But I, I, I am struck by the morality thing more and more as, yeah. as I get older. To, to speak to that kind of issue of violence... You know, the, the whole idea of sort of measuring sort of the impact of these kinds of video games on our internal worlds, our morality, our actions in the real world, as it's me- if it's measured by violence, you know, I have issues with that. You know, my son plays a lot of first-person shooter video games. They're his favorite. And he's actually extremely sensitive. I mean, he's, 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 he's got a very good, like, he can distinguish reality from fantasy. And there are you have officially done your job as a parent, <laughs> right? 
and he's <laughs> step and one. There's this attitude about guns in video games, and then there's a separate attitude about sort of like play guns and pretend life. But in real life, and the idea of violence and, and real guns, he's actually he's really good on that issue. I'm not afraid that my son is going to go like quote unquote ballistic one day. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I do kind of measure the impact in the sense of just all this kind of content, putting it in your head, and the, the, the just sort of the, the callousness, the irreverence, the nihilism. I, I think that kind of like if you're just constantly exposing yourself to that kind of storytelling and that kind of thing, and just sort of the overall sort of just the fantasy of being like this cowboy, lone wolf kind of character, I, I think kind of like it expresses, it seeps into you and expresses yeah. in other ways, like nuanced ways that affects relationships and yeah. and, and how well, you feel about life and your worldview in general that has nothing to do about whether or not you're going to go and shoot things up, but just... In more subtle relational ways that I think have have did are, you ever read reflecting on? Did you ever read any of the work of, of Tom Bissell when he was writing about video games? A little bit, yeah. He this is a really interesting writer who I mean he he's a journalist and a novelist and a writer who's done all kinds of different things and then he had a really fascinating what turned out to be almost a not a career hiccup but but a, a real left turn where he wrote a book of essays of reported essays about video games this was like kind of circa 2009 2010 many of them kind of focused on the idea of story in video games this sort of played in a little bit into the kind of video games as art debate which we were all having yeah. then and which i think is kind of faded now because i kind of think it's like you either think they are or you don't care I, either of which are perfectly reasonable perspectives to have on video games um, but then he was also writing for grantland for a while and I think it was in one of his last pieces he kind of made this case that like if you do something for so long it will affect you sure. and that's not to say it makes yeah. you a maniac but and I, I find that interesting he now has segued into writing video games some of them better than others but well Jeff this is good to hear because I want to kind of do something in this episode where I, I, I want to tell you about six games that I saw some of them I played some of them I just kind of got a good long look at um, and what I think will excite you is at least as far as I can tell none of them have guns in the classic sense of the term <laughs> okay. so maybe this will play in I kind of play video games less now than I used to and it sounds like you play video games quite a bit less now than than you used to but I kind of want you want you to just give these games a soft thumbs up which will mean you maybe want to get to them someday or or a complete thumbs down all right all right <laughs> well, this will be the the all-important Jensen stamp of, yes. of approval um maybe we can also a nation of video gamers eagerly awaits <laughs> so top of the line Jeff I got to speak to one of my heroes this week and it was a lovely conversation mediated by a translator but uh, Fumito Ueda who made the fantastic masterpiece video game my favorite video game of all time Shadow of the Colossus was here Mm. this week showing off his 11 years in the making video game The Last Guardian now The Last Guardian Jeff is a video game in which you take the controls of you play a young boy who wakes up in what seems to be a ruined temple or a giant ruined something he doesn't really know where he is he meets a giant giant creature who is sort of the perfect merging of a bird cat dog thing and the game is sort of you interacting with this creature and trying to get this creature who again you don't control to sort of like help you escape and along the way one of the things that Fumito Ueda sort of made the point of when I talked to him was that the theme of this game is basically that character that like you know you you were controlling this person this boy who is not powerful you know you're literally a little boy whose only power is picking up things and, and, and jumping places and to get anywhere you kind of need to work with 
this creature who is entirely a creation of computer software and computer hardware and somehow what he was making the point of i think again this was all via translator was that like the point of this game is really to get a sense of this fake creature as a real creature huh. and to learn how to kind of interact with him did you play shadow of the colossus ever jeff I, or was that ever did that ever cross your your time as, as a video game creator? it never did no. so i think you should you should really consider playing that that's my favorite video game of all time and this game feels very similar in the sense that the look of it i would say it, it is kind of set in sort of a like you know part miyazaki movie part peter jackson's lord of the rings this really kind of evocative fantasy setting um it's sort of a puzzle game i uh-huh. think because that's sort of what Shadow of the Colossus was. And more than anything to me, uh, it's kind of a game that it feels like it comes from an earlier era. Like, there's no online connectivity to it. That, for me, was something that I was really excited is about. Is it a first-person game, or is that a... You, it, it's third-person. You're, you're kind of looking at the boy, and you can move the camera around him and, and everything. But you 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 control him as, okay. as you move. Um, this game sounds absolutely fascinating. It sounds like exactly the kind of thing that, like, in my, my, my video game reviewing days that I would want to... Artsy. Explain. <laughs> Artsy. Like, for frame of reference, my favorite video game that I played in my time as a reviewer was Limbo. Oh! Right. And so um, I absolutely love that. So puzzle game, very like, you know, the graphics were very kind of unusual and stark. What I love about this idea is this idea of this, it's a game about relationship. Yes. You know, and um, having to figure out a relationship with another. And uh, that sounds absolutely fascinating to me, combined with the puzzle thing, which is my favorite kind of video game play. What's it for? Is it for all platforms? It is going to be on the PlayStation 4. Okay. You may also appreciate this next one. Were you a fan of the Metal Gear Solid games at all? Did you uh, play them? No, not really. Well, in that case, you'll love this. Uh, so <laughs> the person who made the Metal Gear Solid games, Hideo Kojima, another mastermind of, of the video game art, art form uh, in my capacity as one of our video game critics. Uh, I pushed really hard to get his previous Metal Gear Solid game to be declared the number one video game of 2015, which it was by Entertainment Weekly. He debuted a first look at a game, very early first look, where, let me describe the entire uh, trailer that, that played, Jeff. This will be so much fun for people who love hearing trailer descriptions. Um, we're on a beach, Black Sands Beach, naked man okay. who's wearing a handcuff. Well, one of the cuffs is, is, is on his wrist, and another cuff is hanging loose. Naked man awakes, stands up. Would you believe the naked man is Norman Reedus? From The Walking Dead. Okay. Is connected via umbilical cord to a baby who is also on the beach with him. He picks up the baby and holds it close and seems to be crying. And then the baby disappears. He looks around this beach and we notice for a second that he's wearing multiple dog tags, which if you look closely seem to have mathematical theorems on them. He looks around this beach. There are like dead sea life sort of flopping around on the beach then looks up and sees that off in the distance, there are these five figures who are floating in the air above him. Cut to title, Death Stranding. And that's all we know about the game right now. Seriously? That's it? That's all. Don't know anything about the gameplay? Like, nothing. I I interviewed Hideo Kojima, uh, also through, through Translator. He's always kind of done those his games, but he's sort of very much playing the role of, like, the merry J.J. Abramsy prankster with all of this. <laughs> I forgot to mention, by the way, Jeff, it opens with a quote by William Blake. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It, uh, it definitely presses my mystery button. Like, I'm a sucker for mystery. 
like you, you present me with a high concept kind of idea and I, I want to know answers to all these questions. You're the guy. Why is Norman Reedus naked? You're... Why does he have an umbilical cord attached to a baby that disappears? Oh, oh I think he also has like, like, like sort of handprints, like inky handprints all across his uh, body too. Right. <laughs> As, yeah. as you do, as you do. As you do. <laughs> this sounds like, like the TV show Blind Spot on Drugs. <laughs> That's such a good point, yes. <laughs> Will I play this game? I don't know. All I know is I want more. You're interested. I'm, oh, totally, I'm interested. You're so interested. The next wave of information that comes out about this video game, I will I will click on that link. All right, Jeff, how about this one? Multi-platform, a new game from Ubisoft. Uh, a little game called South Park, The Fractured But Whole. <laughs> I'm in. No, you're in, you're no, in? Okay, no, you're in. Anymore. Moving but tell on. me more about it. Moving on. <laughs> well, Jeff, uh, this is technically a sequel to South Park, The Stick of Truth, which is a game that I enjoyed quite a bit a couple years ago. It is essentially designed to look like an episode of South Park. Like It's as if you're, you're controlling a character in, in the 2D landscape of an episode. The first game was sort of an old-school RPG in the spirit of Earthbound. The way you played was you were kind of walking around town, you would get into fights. Those fights were sort of turn-based fights, kind of, you know, like your Final Fantasy games or your Kingdom Hearts games. This new game is kind of an expansion of that with the twist that the first game was sort of you and the South Park kids are pretending to be in a fantasy world. It was taken from the episode where they were kind of imitating Lord of the Rings. This new game, you're pretending to be superheroes. So it's basically a superhero story where the superheroes are boys wearing superhero outfits. And in the trailer, they make a point that you can select what kind of superhero you want to be. There are speedsters, and there are like beam throwers, and there are kind of Iron Man, like brainiacs and stuff like that. So it's sort of playing around with superhero tropes. And one of the things that I loved uh, I, I spoke to Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who seem very involved in the making of these games now. I, I don't know if you recall, but um, for the N64, they had licensed out a South Park video game, which famously became one of the worst games of all time. It was huh. like a first-person shooter. It was pixelated. Whenever I have interviewed them for these games, I ask them about it, and just the weariness that they have when they talk <laughs> about it. So they, they're very involved. And what, what really struck me, Jeff, is that in this new game, unlike in the last one, you sort of play as a new kid character. And in this new game, your character can be a little girl, not just a another South Park boy. She can be a girl. And they were saying that, you know, they just sort of added this in because they figured, of course we, we should do this. You know, this is a, a customizable character in a video game about South Park characters. Of course you should be allowed to be whoever you want to be. But they were saying that this actually presented a lot of interesting narrative issues for them to deal with. They were talking about how Marvel can now introduce a female superhero, which is great and which they should do more of. But they were saying that what struck them is within the world of those movies, a female superhero does not deal with sexism. And within the world of, the, of Marvel movies, you know, Black Panther doesn't necessarily deal with racism. But they said that within the world of South Park, of course those issues would come to the fore. Yeah. So what they were saying is they actually think it's going to be more interesting for people to play as a female character in the South Park game because the interactions with the other characters are very different than they are if you're just playing as a male, which I, I found fascinating. fascinating. I mean, you know, again, this is a game that looks like a South Park game and there's lots of fart jokes, so it's not like <laughs> it's necessarily going to be like breaking any, any molds, but I found that kind of interesting. But fundamentally, this is a sort of like, you know, third-person RPG. <laughs> so what I really like about this game is the idea of Matt and Trey kind of using these video games 
to really kind of continue their pop culture satire and their social satire and use them as new um, outlets for storytelling. And the idea that they're going to now present the South Park critique of superhero entertainment in all, all possible forms, or as many possible forms, I find really interesting. Didn't they make some news this week at E3 when they they, they talked about maybe thinking that like maybe video games would be the future of the South Park franchise? Well, they, they, they did tell that to me, yes. Yeah. And it was almost kind of an aside, but it was something that I found interesting. To kind of go back to something you were saying earlier, Jeff, about your own interest in video games and the idea of, especially 10 years ago, I think there was this feeling of getting in on something on the ground floor, that like interactivity could be the future. And maybe that is still the case. You know, they were just very realistic about the fact that like we're doing this and we want these games to be good and we still love the TV show, but this might be the future. And one yeah. of the things they told me, which I, I've been trying to figure out how to fact check this because I find it so fascinating, they were saying they had a lot of people contact them who said, I'd never heard of South Park before I played this video game. Oh, Kids mostly, which which I found fascinating. So that, so that gets a that gets a soft thumbs up, Jeff. That oh, absolutely. A, wow, three for three, right? Um, okay, here's one that uh, I, I can't talk about too much just because they were only kind of showing off a little bit of it. Jeff, it's a game called Mass Effect Andromeda. Okay. This is a reboot, a furthering of the story of the Mass Effect trilogy. Uh, it is going to take place in a far-flung galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, OBS. And uh, it's unclear to me right now, I don't think it's a continuation of the story, for obvious reasons, if you played the end of Mass Effect 3. Yeah. I, I, th I think it is meant to be a sort of new direction. But the main thing seems to be that now you can go to different planets and those planets will have a lot to do on them. Like, it's not just going to be like you're driving around and like trying to find stuff anymore. How does that sound to you, Jeff? Before we go into that, definitely soft thumbs down on you using the word obs in a, in a conversation. <laughs> let's revisit because let's just wallow in the pain. The end of Mass Effect 3 was controversial because... Well, uh, I, I, I've dug into that a few times, Jeff. I wrote about it at the time. My understanding of why people are frustrated with it is no matter what you've done, Mass Effect is a series that allows you yes. to do any, so many different kinds of things. You can kill the different races, you can bring them together, you can be, you know, you can make love to all different kinds of aliens, men yes. or women, yeomans or lieutenants. Um, the end of the game, yes. no matter what happens, is the same. You sacrifice yourself to save humanity and, and the galaxy. And, and it everything. kind of blew up kind of like one of the most intriguing kind of like uh, things about that franchise where they like to to promote to its fans the idea of like choice yeah, right that yeah. you can make choices moral choices action choices that will completely affect the storytelling of the game yeah but the ultimate conclusion of this game kind of like leads ultimately to the same place and then ultimately kind of like undermines the yeah. whole uh, i think i think the frustration and i say i think because i really did love the ending and i found it, i mean maybe it's the maybe it's a catholic kid in me but like i i'm kind of a sucker for messianic sacrifice at the end of of things it is maybe a little a little matrixy in the sense that much like in the matrix trilogy what had seemed very complicated becomes a little bit simpler and a little bit more binary as you get to the end but yeah the, the, that was the i mean i, I think people wanted were expecting a kind of chrono trigger thing where there'd be a hundred different endings and that that was yeah. definitely not the case so we'll see i mean like maybe they've incorporated that more i i love the mass effect games i would happily play you know play the the dialogue trees of those games yeah, yeah, over, yeah. over again so I'm, I'm excited about any any new version of that I, guess. Uh, I remember really liking the mass effect games when i was reviewing uh, it was i think at least two of them fell certainly one of them i want to say mass effect two maybe mm -hmm. 
um, during my run, and I love the I love the design. I love the character work and all of that. Just the the way they look, the the design, the sci-fi world. I feel like I've. I'm past that, though. You're over it. And so I'm going to give this a soft thumbs down. Also, there is the problem of those games take a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's here's the last one, Jeff. I think you may like this one. So Nintendo, they officially announced the next iteration of the main big Zelda franchise. Like, this is not something on the 3DS. This is something that's going to go on, not just their current console, the Wii U, which many people don't have, but also their next console, the NX, which they haven't even announced yet. Breath of the Wild is going to be a very open-world Legend of Zelda game. Uh, I played a bit of it where essentially you wake up and you walk outside and this version of Hyrule is a version of Hyrule where you can stare in that direction and see this huge freaky volcano and you can mark it and then look on your map and it's like so far away like the map is really huge what I was playing was just one tiny portion of it and in that portion I could pick up an axe and chop down trees and gather wood and make fire and then shoot a boar and cook the boar on that fire. It's really Nintendo I think doing an open world um, in a real way it is also uh you know it's it's legend zelda game if, if you like legend zelda games this is you know the one that i think you've been waiting for for a little while and why is that well so i love legend of zelda i think i always will now i don't think there's any turning back for me there's something about the sounds of it and the look of it for me the, the gameplay part of it is almost less important than just the experience yeah. of it yeah. and, and again this was in the n64 which the graphics Still, to me, look beautiful now, even though I recognize that they're very primordial. Just in the moments that I was playing this game, I really was just kind of like, "Oh, that's a that's a snowy area. Like, I wanna I wanna go there and just hang mm-hmm. out for a while." And so I was very struck by that. It, it felt like a, a holistic Zelda game, if you will. <laughs> Your enthusiasm for it completely wins me over. It definitely plays to kind of like that aspect of me where I just like to be a tourist in these games and kind of look around and like, ooh, pretty environment. That's the most fun know? part of the Rockstar yeah. games. Those cities feel so real that it is just fun driving around them. So Jeff, you will you will have some video games that you may oh, wow. possibly want to play I, sometime I, 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 soon. I thank you for the... Um, either you were, you know, just, just playing to what you know about me and what would work. <laughs> Those all work for me. Those kind of get beyond the sort of like... Soldier, mercenary, assassin, killer, archetype, kind of that, like, I I find wearying and maybe, you know, very problematic and kind of fuel certain fantasies that maybe we need to deconstruct in in geek culture. Oh, Jeff, uh, I forgot to mention, too, there was a game called Death Kill colon Antihero 7. Does that that sound interesting to you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like hard thumbs down on that. You, you kind of pitched some video games there for me that definitely scratches my limbo itch. Was there ever a limbo too? Uh, yes, there is a new game from the creators of Limbo that is also coming out. I think that came out this month. Frankly, Jeff, like Limbo, which is a beautiful experience that I think takes maybe like four hours to play. That kind of works best for me in my schedule. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Like, like, as I'm looking at this, I'm kind of like, I'm really excited about Mass Effect Andromeda, but like, this is, th- this could be a relationship killer. Like, this could be, you know, this could be the end, of, yeah, 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 job killer. Um, um, before we go, one more thing about E3, because, you know, I used to cover E3 for us too, and one of the things I remember most about my E3 experience is just the amount of Advil that I consume. I think I don't, <laughs> Like <laughs> most amount of aspirin that I consume in any one year is usually during those three days of E3. Just like the 
the sounds, the cacophony you mentioned, the, the, the constant sounds of gunfire, the, the, the strobing lights on the eyeballs. It's, it, it's too much. I mean, I mean and I, I think that's part of the intention of it, but I mean, Jeff, we, we've both been to Comic-Con. Comic-Con is a lot. It is, it is four metropolises of fandom piled on top of each other. E3 is, it, it is like, it is like walking through, you know, the worst corner of Las Vegas and just having everything and all of your sensations are just going completely insane. So, I, again, I, I, I used to love this and I think it is just me getting older now. Like, I, I felt that very much this year. Where I was just like, it's too much. It's too much for me. Did you get roped into, like, visiting any of those tables on the outskirts of floors or those, like, rooms where you, you feel like you have these kind of, like, slightly shady fly-by-night kind of video game companies like yes. trying to sell you some kind of like cheapy like well, this is, I, I feel like it's like you don't want to buy our video game would you like some drugs this like, is no this is something that we'll talk about the next time but I, I am fascinated by like like the shell companies that are, are are purportedly video game companies but like are you you get the sense that there is there's money being shipped off to Switzerland somewhere. there is <laughs> E3 is like a weird I mean so is Comic-Con too but a weird world where you can there's, you know, you have these big companies with their big showrooms, and then there's all of these like side rooms with. Yes, it's it's, it's fascinating. It's it's a it's a wonderful industry. Um, <laughs> Jeff, uh, we have talked about a lot today. People can follow you at EW Doc Jensen. I am at Darren Franich. If you want to talk video games or anything you heard today, email me uh, Darren underscore Franich at EW.com. Don't email Jeff; he's too busy. <laughs> Jeff, uh, we'll be back next week with more stuff on Entertainment Geekly. Mm-hmm.